This is Beth Bruno, and you're listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast. On this podcast, I amplify the feminine voice and curate feminine glory so that you, my listener, find your own fierce and lovely story. It has become somewhat of a sacred journey for me to uncover the stories of women from around the world throughout time and present day. The more fierce and lovely women I explore, the more I fall in love with the one in whose image we reflect. My hope is that in this space, you embrace your own beautifully ordinary life as the majority story most of us are living. Hello, fierce and lovelies, and I should also welcome my male listeners. I am sorry, guys, that I am so focused on the women here because I know that some of you are listening. And I know that especially some of you are listening to these travel podcast episodes, and I appreciate you being here too. So welcome. Welcome, everyone. I have absolutely loved hearing from many of you lately. You've been telling me about women that you find in the cities that you're exploring, or you've been asking about women you should look for in a new city that you're planning on visiting. And I cannot tell you how thrilled that makes me, that you are being inspired to travel differently, to travel with purpose and intention, and that perhaps you have embraced this sacred journey alongside of me to find stories of women that have been deeply covered up, not intentionally, but just because of culture and and norms. And you have had eyes to see, and I really love that you have been sharing it with me. So thank you. Several times lately, I have um, had to resist the urge to lose an hour or two down a rabbit hole doing research. So uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about with all of these City Guides, every month I release a fierce and lovely travel guide in which I curate a day in a well-known city through the lens of the women who helped to shape it. This month in November, we are on our eighth city and they are free to subscribers. So you can head over to my website, bethbruno.org forward slash travel dash guide to sign up and you'll receive the monthly letter that has the new city guide. And you'll also receive a password to access my resource library where all of the previous ones live. So that's a little bit of context and a little bit of excitement. So I have a question. How many of you have watched Nicolas Cage's National Treasure? I know it's an oldie, but it's an indicator that you appreciate a little bit of history and a whole lot of adventure too. Well, that's your first clue as to where we're going on this episode. Your second clue is another movie released this month that I am so excited to watch. I can barely stand it. Any guesses? Harriet as in Harriet Tubman, as in the famous underground railroad Harriet Tubman. Now do you know where we're headed? That's right, our nation's first capital, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Now some of you might be thinking, what? That is not nearly as exciting as last month's trip to Istanbul. I know, I get it. 
But some of you might be thinking, are you kidding me? That's a day trip. I can totally make this work. Tell me what to look for. And I'm here for you. I've got you covered. When our kids were all conveniently studying American history in school, we had the opportunity to do a history trip along the East Coast. We have family in various places, and so we were able to stay with them along the way, and we did New York City, Philadelphia, D.C., and Williamsburg, Virginia, and it was phenomenal. If any of you ever have the chance to do this historical loop, I cannot recommend it enough, especially if you have kids between third and eighth grade. It is so powerful. And if you are overseas, if you are not an American and ever take a trip to the States and assume that D.C. is the place to go, can I just encourage you to also go down to Williamsburg? It's only a few hours south of D.C. And go north to Philadelphia. It's only a few hours north. And both of those places are just as historically rich as our capital. So when we went years ago, I was already starting to think differently about the role of women everywhere I looked. I was deeply entrenched in the anti-human trafficking movement, and I had just finished Sue Monk Kids, The Invention of Wings, which is all about Sarah and Angelina Grimke, who were Southern Bells that moved to Philadelphia to join the abolitionist cause. It's a historical fiction book based on the real lives of those two sisters. So when we were walking into the Liberty Bell Visitor Center and happened upon a ranger who was talking about the role of women in the suffragist and abolitionist movements, and behind the ranger were these pictures of some of those women, Sarah and Angelina Grimke, Lucretia Mott, um, there they were. It was kind of emotional for me because I saw in their faces fellow activists. I saw soul sisters. And what they started and were able to accomplish 150 years ago, in many ways, we're still working on. Of course, they contributed an incredible amount and were building on their legacy. We're, We're flying on their coattails of the groundwork that they laid. But in many ways, we're still in the fight, aren't we? Especially when it comes to ending slavery. So I'm just standing there and looking at them, feeling like I just want to hug them. It was emotional. But that's all I noticed about women in Philadelphia. That's all I saw. Right there, listening to the ranger, a few pictures of of early suffragists and abolitionists. Of course, we went to all the other major historical sites, and we learned about the founding fathers, and we saw some amazing things, don't get me wrong, but the only place I heard about any of the women was there with that ranger, Lucretia Mott, Sarah Grimke. And I think outside in the presidential house, the the ruins that they have kind of um, uncovered, there's one slave that is one female slave that is talked about. She escaped and she, I do write about her in the city guide, but we, we're going to change all of that this month, aren't we? In the city guide I created for you through the lens of the women who helped shape Philadelphia, I'm going to take you to some of those famous sites for sure, but I'm going to expose the fingerprints of the women that linger there. And I think you would otherwise maybe not even learn about them. I'm going to take you to a female-owned restaurant nearby, and you're going to have an incredible time. 
But today on this show, I want to tell you about one woman from the guide who is probably the least well-known of all of them, and maybe the most important. We're in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I have family in Pennsylvania. I've been going there since I was a little girl, and I have to be honest, I don't recall ever wondering where it got its name or what its name even means. And perhaps you already know this, but I've discovered that it means Penn's Woods. Sylvania is a name that means woodland area, and William Penn was the one who was granted the land in 1681 by the King of England as a way of paying a debt owed to William's father. William Penn wanted his new colony to be the seed of a nation, and he wanted to use his colony to demonstrate all of his beliefs and ideals. He had already converted to becoming a Quaker, and he wanted a space for religious tolerance. Here's the thing. Who is the woman at his side? And what was her role in the management of a colony? William's first wife died, leaving two children, and he remarried a woman who was 24 years younger than him in 1696. Her name was Hannah. In 1699, eight months pregnant with her first child, Hannah joined William and sailed from England to the Pennsylvania colony. After staying with friends for a few weeks, they moved into what is known as the Slate Roof House, right there near the harbor in in Philadelphia, on the corner of 2nd Street and Norris Alley. Hannah gave birth to her son not long after, and eventually, just within weeks, the manor that William had been building outside of the city was completed, Pensbury Manor, and the little family moved into it. They stayed just over a year. William had land in Ireland and business in London, and with an economic downturn, he had to go back and deal with many of the problems, including keeping his sovereignty over the colony of Pennsylvania. And though he wanted to leave Hannah behind, she insisted on returning with him. And so they packed up all of their belongings, left Philadelphia, returned to England, and that would be the last time that they actually stepped foot in Pennsylvania. But here's where the story gets interesting. A few years after returning home, William had several strokes. Eventually, he became too sick to handle any of his business, including governing the colony. So Hannah became proprietor of Pennsylvania. And that basically means that she was the person who had all the power to rule this tract of land. She became the first woman to have this role, the longest woman to serve in this role. And from afar, she never stepped back, never stepped foot in America again. And she governed this colony and made important and crucial decisions. And she continued to keep the crown at bay and maintain the independence of Pennsylvania. When William finally died, he gave full control of his estate and control of Pennsylvania to Hannah. His son, by his first marriage, tried to wrestle out of Hannah's control the proprietorship of Pennsylvania, but she prevailed. She won and she continued to serve in that capacity until she herself died of a stroke 
1726. We all know the importance of the city of Philadelphia just 50 years later after her death. We know what happened when the early American founding fathers signed the treasonous piece of paper declaring our independence from the crown of England. And we know in retrospect that none of that would have happened had Pennsylvania been lost to the crown before it even had a chance to root and embed the the values of representation, freedom of religion, and democracy. But do any of us know the name Hannah Penn? Well, in 1984, President Ronald Reagan honored her as the first woman to be given the status of Honorary Citizen of the United States. And today, if you go to the corner of 2nd Street and the alley there, you can see a small plaque honoring Hannah where the place that the Slate Roof House once stood. A woman who held the future of our nation in her hands who governed from afar with wisdom and tenacity, who has been lost beneath her husband's glory, but who will be honored by each of us if and when we visit Philadelphia. I hope this inspires you to search for lost stories of women in the spaces you inhabit. May we find them. May we honor them. May we be them. This is Beth Bruno. And you've been listening to the Fierce and Lovely Podcast.